Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Thankful that we have so many visitors. It's good to see you as well. And just how encouraging it is to be able to come together and worship our God. And so, um, what a blessing. What a blessing it is. And as we talked about a little bit this morning uh, in Bible class, you know, the world is, or our society is going to be really spending a lot of time thinking about thankfulness with Thanksgiving coming up. But as Christians, we have something to be thankful for every day. Every day we should be thankful. And so it's, uh, it's nice for us to have these holidays and these times to get together with family and some travel and things like that. But as Christians, we can be thankful at all times. Our study this morning is going to be from Acts chapter 8. So if you would, go ahead and get your Bible out and turn to Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start by reading verses 26 through 39, and then we'll uh, gather some thoughts about this. So Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, Of whom does the prophet say this of, himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now I love this account in the scriptures of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, which we actually covered a few weeks ago in our Sunday morning Bible class. It's an account that is very familiar to us as Christians. In fact, Many of our children are probably somewhat familiar or well-versed in the basics of this account as well. And it provides an excellent example of a conversion of one to Christianity during the time of the early church. And because of that, it, it is an example that many brethren will use when attempting to teach others. So we know the story. We have studied it before many times. The story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is a simple and straightforward account of one who wanted to know about the gospel and one who was willing to teach that individual. And the lessons in this study are very simple and easy for anyone with an open and honest heart to understand. 
But you know, sometimes we, we neglect these simple teachings in the scriptures. And, and this is not done intentionally. We, we don't do this on purpose. But as we strive as Christians to grow in our knowledge of the Word of God, sometimes we find ourselves focusing on other passages, other accounts, which, which can help us to develop a deeper faith and stronger understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And, and that's good. Because we should all be growing in our faith and service. We have to be able to move beyond the foundations or, or basic principles of our faith. Or the, the milk and move on to solid food. Just like the Hebrew writer talks about in Hebrews 5. But if we're not careful, we can become neglectful of these basic principles. These basic teachings in the Bible. Oh, we, we might be able to quote the passage and, and tell the story. But we might not take the time to really meditate on what it means to us. Or we might not take the time to rehearse how the account could be used to teach others. In other words, we can become sometimes stale when it comes to some of these rather simple and straightforward accounts from Scripture. So, so I thought it would be beneficial for us this morning to, to look back at this account in Acts 8 and, and, and dig a little bit deeper into the text as there are a lot of good lessons here for us to consider as we start to peel back the layers of this account. Lessons that, that many of us may be somewhat familiar with, but even though we are familiar with the passage and, and what it teaches, it is always a benefit for us to be reminded. And I think we understand that. You know, when, when putting a lesson like this together which uses a familiar and maybe well-known passage, I'm always reminded of what Peter said in, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, where he writes, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Verse 13, Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. You know, isn't that what we are doing most of the time when we hear lessons from the Word? We're, we're being reminded of God's truth and how it should change us so we can be more pleasing to Him. So yes, some of us, some of us we may not learn anything really new today, but we can be reminded of some important lessons that God wants us to be aware of. And, and hopefully these lessons will help us to be more diligent in our service to the Lord. And one more quick thing before we jump into the text here and we jump into our study. These accounts, like the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, really show just how simple and easy to understand the gospel message is. I mean, we live in a world where we have all of these Bible scholars who devote years and years of their lives to researching the Bible, its history, who wrote it, when it was written, what it all means, you name it. And some of those things can be helpful, but, but they spend so much time with that stuff, and, and, and these people almost always miss the point of the gospel. They miss the simple message. You, you ever known someone... Who, who makes things more complicated than they are. I'm sure we've run into people like that before. Well, that's your typical Bible scholar 
who has spent years of his or her life studying the Bible, then analyzing and arguing and debating and discussing, and in the end, missing the basic truth of the gospel. These accounts in Scripture that we have come to know so well remind me of how truly simple God's truth is. Man wants to complicate things. And Jesus continuously shows us that understanding what He teaches, what He expects of us, is really not all that complicated. I think we can sometimes forget that basic principle, that basic truth, because of all the noise that is out there in the world today. And that can have an influence on the way we think. And sometimes we're not even aware of that influence and how it's kind of chipping away at us. So for the next two lessons, we're, we're going to explore this account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're going to make some observations for us to consider. Uh, today, focusing in on Philip's example. And then the next time I preach in December... We'll be focusing from the perspective of the Ethiopian eunuch and that example. So, so let's kind of look at some points, some lessons that we can learn from today. And the first thing is we look at Philip's example here in this account. The first thing that we can see is that Philip arose and went. So if we go back to the beginning of our reading in Acts chapter 8, in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8, it states that an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, and the angel tells him to arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. The, the text then states that this is desert. The beginning of verse 27 then simply says, so he arose and went. You know, I've always been very impressed by Philip's example here because he, he demonstrates a complete and unquestioning trust in God. You know, there, there, there's complete obedience to the command despite there being no clear evidence that Philip even understood why he was being told to do this. He just did it. God said it. He did it. And it was really as simple as that. And it reminds me, you know, it causes me to question, do, do I have this kind of attitude when it comes to my faith? Do we have this kind of attitude when it comes to our faith? Do we have this kind of attitude regarding what God has told us to do? So, I mean, here is Philip who, who had been preaching in Samaria. And the scriptures say that, that the multitudes with one accord heeded the things by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. That, that's in Acts 8 verse 6. So Philip had been doing some good work here. And in verse 12 says that the people believed what Philip preached about the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ and that both men and women were baptized. And now an angel of the Lord says, Philip, you need to go out to this road in the desert. You need to leave here and go out to the middle of nowhere. Now imagine that. Think about that, if you will. Imagine being told that you need to arise and head out to the middle of the desert. I, I think about the stretch of the 10 freeway past Indio. There's not a whole lot out there. Except the prison, I think. And those signs that say, don't pick up hitchhikers. 
I never see those a lot. But you know, there's not a lot out there. Or I think about a couple summers ago, I drove up and explored around Death Valley. There's not a lot up there. You know, imagine being told to go there. And you've been experiencing all sorts of success right where you are. But the Lord tells you to leave all of that and go out on this road in the desert in the middle of nowhere. You know, i, I got to be honest. I can't help but think that my first reaction might be, wait, 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 what? You want me to do what? But that's not Philip's reaction. His immediate reaction is to arise and go. So Philip arose and went to the desert following the commandment of the Lord. He understood where this command was coming from and he obeyed it without question. There is such great faith demonstrated here by Philip. And I think it is a wonderful example for us today as Christians. You know, when I read this account, I can't help but think about my own reactions to what God has commanded. You know, do I have the same desire to immediately obey God's commands, whatever they are? Do, do you have that desire? I mean, God has taught us many things that we should be doing in our service to Him. Are we eager to do those things? Do we examine ourselves on a regular basis to ensure that we are being the disciples that we need to be? Are we recognizing when God wants us to arise and go? And when we recognize that, do we do it? Do we arise and go? Or do we sit and question what God has commanded us to do? And that's something for all of us to think about. For example, we, we know that the Bible teaches that we should be busy sowing the seed of the kingdom. That we should be evangelizing. Do we have an eagerness to obey our Lord in regards to this? Are we willing to arise and go and fulfill the responsibility that God has given us? Or are we sitting still and not being active in that responsibility? You know, perhaps we let fear reign in our hearts, not wanting to offend people. I mean, the Bible is very clear that when we stand up for the truth, that many are going to reject it. And that in some cases, they may even react to God's truth by hating us, just as people hated Jesus for his teaching. Maybe we're afraid of that potential conflict. Or maybe we've just decided that many of the people we come into contact with every day just wouldn't be interested in the gospel. And Alvaro reminded us of, of that and how it's not our place to make those decisions. And he talked about that in Bible class this morning. Or I might not know how to respond to some question that an individual comes up with. Or, or I might end up losing some friends or family over this. And I don't want to be the cause. Uh, I want to cause all of the potential tension that could arise from sharing the gospel. Maybe those things are holding us back. And the point here is that if we have these attitudes regarding evangelism, then we're not following through on what God has told us to do. When we respond in this way, we're, we're not displaying the same attitude that Philip had. We are not having the attitude that I should arise and go and do what my Heavenly Father 
has asked of me. When we act in these ways, when we let, let these fears to kind of dominate our thinking, and it keeps us from acting, we are sitting still and we're not going anywhere. And that's not how we want to be. A second point that we could look at this morning, and going along with this idea of Philip being willing to arise and go, to, to be obedient to the commands of the Lord, is that Philip allowed himself to be led by the Spirit. So, so after Philip sees the Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot, verse 29 says that the Spirit said to Philip to go near and overtake this chariot. And verse 30 states that Philip ran to him. So Philip again demonstrates an example here that we should also strive for. You know, all of us should allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. And, and we do this by listening to what God has told us in His revealed Word. You know, I don't have to tell you, uh, I'm sure many of you know this, that there are a lot of ideas out there in the religious world today as to what it means to be led by the Spirit. And, and, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to, to pick on anyone's religious beliefs. I, I know people who, who are nice, friendly people who have unfortunately been led astray by false teachings regarding the Holy Spirit. But our concern should always be, what does the Bible say about these things? That should always be our primary concern. You know, many religious people today have strayed so very far from what the Bible teaches regarding the Holy Spirit. And while we don't really have the time to go into that this morning, I mean, that would be a whole other lesson, maybe even a series of lessons, and, and that's for another time, it still would be valuable for us to take a little bit of time this morning to review kind of an overview of what the Bible says about the Spirit and how it leads people today. You know, if we look back to what Jesus taught, the Spirit was going to help the apostles and guide them into all truth. So John chapter 16 Verses 12 through 14, where Jesus, speaking to the apostles, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And the apostles then preached what had been revealed to them. So we think of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13, where the apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, and he writes, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us, through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak... Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And then the apostles wrote these things down. 
We can be reminded of Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 3. Uh, again, this is Paul writing. He's writing to the church at Ephesus here. And he writes, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And so what we see, kind of quick review here, in short, when we are following the teaching of the Scriptures, we are essentially allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit. You know, the Spirit does not lead Christians through feelings. Or through intuition. And that's going to be a hard one for this world we live in to swallow. Especially in our society today. Where people are bowing down at the altar of feelings all the time. You see it every day. At the school where I work. The Spirit does not lead Christians through, through visions or, or, or dreams today. Yes, it's true. At one time... God did reveal things through visions. But that was part of the process of revealing and confirming God's truth, uh, along with how, uh, signs and wonders and miracles which confirmed whether such visions or dreams were from God. And, and this was all a temporary process which was finished when God's complete word was revealed. We can see into that in 1 Corinthians 13. So 1 Corinthians 13, uh, first part of that chapter, talks a lot about love and the characteristics of love. And then we get to verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And we could study these things out a little bit more detail if you need that. Uh, if you need that help, we'd be happy to help you with that. But the Spirit does not make or cause us to understand the truth. We can do that on our own because we have God's revealed Word. And God wants us to understand these things on our own. He wants us to believe Him of our own accord. And we should also point out that the Spirit does not lead Christians into new truths. God's word has been revealed and it is unchanging. You know, it kind of reminds me of back when um, I was visiting in Bend, Oregon and uh, attending worship there on Sunday morning and my father-in-law had introduced himself to a visitor uh, and they had a quick conversation before worship started and, and this individual had stated that the Spirit led him to visit this particular church on this particular Lord's Day. And so, my father-in-law and I were kind of talking about this uh, interaction he had had with this individual after services. And, 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 and we were talking about this. And he mentioned, he's like, well, you know, when we consider what the Word teaches and what we're commanded to do and how God wants us to worship him on Sundays we were led by the spirit here but he was talking about this 
You know, this other individual, this visitor, didn't really comprehend that or understand that. So we are led by the Spirit, but not in the sense that many in the religious world would like to suggest. Again, this could be a whole different study, but the Bible is very clear on how we are led by the Spirit today, and that should be where our focus is, is what does the Bible say? That, that, that's, that's always what is at the heart of this, is what does the Bible say about these things? And the question remains as we consider Philip's example in Acts, are we allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit? Or do we allow ourselves to be led by what we want, what we desire? May this never be the case. May all of us as Christians desire to be led by the Spirit and truly, truly walk with God. A third point, and this point can also go back to our original idea, but Philip took advantage of an opportunity presented to him. And again, it can go back to our original idea and can relate to Philip's desire to arise and go and follow the commandment of God. In fact, we used evangelism as an example when we were talking about that point. So you got here on, the, on this road to Gaza in the desert, Philip is presented with an opportunity. An opportunity to teach the gospel to one who was lost. And he took advantage of that opportunity without hesitation at all. The text says that Philip ran to him. I mean, think about that for a second. Philip is presented with an opportunity... And he runs to it. And this really caused me to pause and think about how I respond to opportunities to share the gospel that have been presented to me. You know, do I respond to each of those opportunities in the way that I should? Am I looking for them? Honestly, there's been times when I I have to be honest as I examine myself. There have been times when I don't think I've done that the way I've needed to. And this account has really got me thinking about this. And, and how I can improve in my Christian walk and in evangelizing. Yeah, I really appreciate brethren who, who remind us in their public prayers and maybe in comments in class uh, about the importance of remembering to evangelize, uh, encouraging us to think about what our responsibility is and how there's a lost world out there and they need our help. We are... The world's Bible, we sing, when we sing that hymn. The importance of seeing other people in the world as people with souls that are lost, souls that are without Christ. We need to remember that. Philip recognized that there were souls that were lost, and he was motivated to do something about it when the opportunity presented itself. And we all need to have that same motivation. Sometimes we we allow those those worries or fears that we talked about earlier to keep us from acting on the opportunities that come our way. And and sometimes we allow the cares of this world to distract us from those opportunities. You know, I, I shudder at the thought that I might have missed opportunities to share the gospel because I have been so wrapped up in my own problems, in my own struggles, and in my own worries. And I know I'm not the only one that that's happened to. So the Lord provides us with opportunities all the time. 
And I would challenge all of us to be more attentive to those opportunities and to not allow them to pass us by. I think we can hold ourselves back by, by, by thinking that we need to be able to have everything planned out. That we need to know exactly the right thing to say in every situation. Like we need to have a sermon ready to share or something. Instead of just engaging in a conversation about spiritual things with someone and seeing where it leads. Or, or instead of just letting the Bible speak for itself. We put this pressure on ourselves sometimes that we don't need to do. And, and, and as a result, we don't take advantage of an opportunity and we let it pass by. And, and I get it. Trust me, I, I get it. I've, I've been guilty of this in the past, overthinking things to the point where the opportunity passes. But I, we need to get past that. You know, we need to grow. We need to share the gospel with the loss of this world. Look at how Philip took advantage of this opportunity. He saw the Ethiopian eunuch reading from the prophet Isaiah and he asked a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Well, how easy was that? We sometimes make things harder for ourselves than we need to. We could start the same way that Philip did, by simply asking a question. And yes, not everyone is going to respond in a positive way. We're not always going to get the results that we want. But we will be doing what we can to try and reach the lost. Of course, if we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit and have strived to put God's Word into our hearts, daily study and meditation upon the Scriptures, in time we will be more readily prepared for these opportunities and have a more ready remembrance of Christ's teaching. So again, another reminder of how important it is that we spend our time with God's Word. And here's the thing. You know, the more we talk to people, the more we engage in the more we engage others in spiritual conversations, the better we're going to get at it. It's like working out a mental muscle. It's just like it's like you know, you try to you want to try an exercise program and and you're like, "Okay, you're motivated for whatever reason." Some people will feel that way after Thanksgiving. Oh, I need to lose some weight. You know, and then they think, "Okay, I need to work on this and and so they'll, they'll be motivated to do something, and you feel terrible afterwards. You do, I mean, the kids at school always complain about when they're starting a sport, and, the, and, and I'm sure Bill could attest to this, that the coaches, they get back, they want to do conditioning. You've got to do running. You've got you to build up that stamina, and they hate that. They just want to do the fun stuff. It's like, no, we've got to do this so you can be able to make it through a whole game, and they don't like it. But it gets easier the more they do it. And you know what's not fair? It's how you can just take like a few days off. It'll take you, you, know, you take all this time, weeks and weeks to get into this great shape. And it only takes you maybe like three or four days to get out of shape. I've never thought that was fair. But that's the way it is. But we have to maintain these things. And the same thing could be said for our mental capabilities. We spend the time with the scriptures. We invest ourselves. And I've been appreciating... Brother Bill's lessons on, on fundamentals. We've got to keep working at those fundamentals. And, and, and if we continue to work on those things and study those things and meditate on those things, then they be, start to become a little bit more like second nature to us. And it becomes easier. So 
so we'll get better. But if we don't ever do it, we will not grow. If we don't ever take advantage of the opportunities, if we don't ever challenge ourselves in these ways, we're not going to grow. And we most certainly will not be pleasing to the Lord who wants us to do these things, who wants us to evangelize. Philip took advantage of the opportunity presented to him. And we must be willing to do the same when we have opportunities to share the gospel. And finally, Philip taught the truth. We see in verses 35 and 36 that this is what Philip did. Verse 35 states that Philip began at the scripture in Isaiah and preached Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch. This was what the Ethiopian eunuch needed to hear, the truth of the gospel. His soul was lost. He was without Christ, and Philip preached Jesus to him. Now, we've talked about this before in the past, but, you know, we can sometimes get caught up in discussions, when we do have discussions, defending the doctrinal practices of the Lord's church with people, discussing things like, like instrumental music and why we as Christians do not believe we have the authority to have instrumental music, or, or about partaking of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. And don't get me wrong, don't misunderstand me. These things are important, and sometimes they do need to be discussed. They are a part of God's truth. But if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in those things that we are not addressing the main problem that the one who is lost has, which is that they have a soul and they need Jesus Christ. If one is without Christ, that is their biggest problem. They need to be taught Jesus. Jesus needs to be preached to them. And if they have an open and honest heart and realize that they are without Christ and they have a desire to obey the gospel, they will be willing to obey the words of Christ and be baptized for the remission of their sins. And the other things can be taught later. And again, if the new Christian who has given their life to Christ, continues to have an open and honest heart, they will abide with the teachings of the Scriptures. And so the point is, brethren, we cannot allow ourselves to become distracted from the real problem that plagues the lost of this world. And that is that they are without Christ. And interestingly, the truth that Philip taught the Ethiopian eunuch included the teaching of of baptism for the remission of sins. We know this because of what Philip had taught, the truth had caused uh, the truth that he had taught caused the eunuch to ask a question in verse 36. And the eunuch says, "See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized?" Don't be fooled by all of the noise in the religious world today about baptism not being an essential part of one's salvation, it was clearly an essential part of what Philip taught regarding Jesus. And we can see that right here in this text. And the Ethiopian eunuch responds to that teaching by desiring to be baptized. And, and there are various other passages that we could turn to in order to prove this point even further, that baptism is essential to one's salvation. For the life of me, I, I just do not understand why the religious world pushes back against something that is so very easy to understand from God's Word. Jesus Himself said in Mark 16, 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 
In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus told the apostles to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Well, how do we do that, Jesus? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, after Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and verse 38, Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And again, there are more passages that we could turn to. And if you have questions about this, we'd be more than happy to sit down with you and and look at what the Bible says about these things. Philip taught the truth of the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. And that truth included a message of baptism for the forgiveness of sins. This is the truth that we need to bring to the lost of the world today. So Philip has set an incredible example for us of of what the disciple of Christ will do in this life. When given a commandment to go, Philip arose and went. Thus, Philip allowed himself to be led by the Spirit. And he took advantage of an opportunity presented to him to teach the truth. Of the gospel. Let us consider the things which this account teaches us about our responsibility as disciples of Christ and strive to follow the example that Philip has set for us. You know, the truth that Philip taught to the Ethiopian eunuch, again, is the same truth we teach today. Jesus Christ has paid the price for the sins of mankind by giving his life on the cross. And he did that. Jesus did that even though there is not a one of us who deserved it. But he did it because of his grace. Because of his mercy. And we as Christians are forever grateful to him for that. And you can begin your life today as a Christian by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You can begin your new life as a Christian this very hour. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that He gave His life for you and paid the price for your sins, you can make that change today. You can can decide to obey Him today. Just as the Ethiopian eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders you from being baptized? You can say that same thing today. If you need to respond to the gospel call of Jesus Christ, we would love to help you. With that, Or maybe you've sinned in a public manner. You need the prayers of the congregation. Maybe you just need some, some help walking right with God. Whatever your need may be, we invite you to come as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.